0: Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Jason Noble, the co-founder and chief of product strategy at Icon, an experience management platform powered by artificial intelligence. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Jason, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Tell us about your background and the genesis of ICON. Yeah, so my background
1: is I'm a a software engineer. So spent many years starting with C++ and going through various client server applications eventually getting to the point where I started my own organization where we focused on consulting services, uh, which then got purchased by a larger consulting services organization. And then we actually spun up a a product division within that larger organization where we started to innovate specifically around uh, collaboration products, social collaboration products. And so from that, we developed something that we called the firm directory, which was a kind of our initial entry into experience management. It was very much focused on an internal LinkedIn for law firms specifically. But building off of that, we found that attorney profile is just one piece of the experience problem. And so we reimagined the platform starting in around 2015, working with some of our top clients and really started to focus on the problems that that marketing and business development has on a day-to-day
0: basis. Let's talk about that. What are the top challenges that marketing and business development professionals inside law firms are facing today? From my perspective, my
1: opinion, where I sit, it's all about time, like how much people are spending doing certain tasks that are repetitive, redundant, and soul-sucking, I guess you could say. So I think that the the biggest problem is time. They also suffer from decision fatigue as well as data fatigue. So I think it's some of the things that, that we see in other operations or other parts of an organization, but just a different focus.
0: Should law firms be incorporating generative AI into their operations now? I think without a doubt.
1: I think that if you look at what generative AI is really good at, and this is why I'm so excited, passionate, fearful, if you will, of generative AI and its implications. Very hopeful and positive because what it's really good at is generating content. What it's bad at currently, if you use these kind of publicly available products is, is generating content that is, is truth-based, which is really what we focus on, making sure that everything that that is generated is actually based on content that is provided to the system. So from that perspective, I'm very optimistic about its value for marketing and business development. And then on the fearful, I, I said fearful, it's not that I'm necessarily afraid of it, but I'm just afraid of the, the amount of disruption that we could be going through as a result of generative AI. And we have to remember that Generative AI is in a category known as artificial narrow intelligence. It's the first of three huge waves of artificial intelligence that we will go through. And so we're just in the infancy phase of artificial intelligence. And then when we get more into general intelligence and super intelligence, that's when things really start to transform.
0: How should law firms start to approach the issue of security and Mm -hmm. privacy when using generative AI?
1: I think first and foremost, you have to, tech to select technology partners that are actually leveraging large language models in this case that are dedicated to you. So there's a lot of fear of going out to ChatGPT because that's an open large language model. But there are providers out there where you can have your own instance of the large language model that no one has access to. It does not, quote, improve based on what you input into it. So I think the first thing is looking at the T's and C's and picking technology providers that respect privacy. They themselves care about privacy. And that's why Microsoft Azure has this thing called OpenAI or Azure OpenAI, which is a container service whereby you can take advantage of the large language model with zero concerns about your data going anywhere except specifically for your purposes.
0: What should a law firm think about when it's developing a generative AI policy?
1: I think client confidentiality is obviously of utmost importance. Obviously, feeding in information, client information into a large language model, whether it's um, private or not, is something that you need to be aware of. I think that there has been pretty significant work done by MIT as it relates to the code of conduct, ethics related to to leveraging generative AI. I think some of the things that's The reason that we focus on the business of law and not the practice of law is because we believe that the business of law can benefit from these technologies without any of the associated risks that you might see in the practice of law. And on on the business side, leveraging it to help you generate business proposals, pitches, respond to RFPs, generate marketing content. Those are low-risk usage of these generative technologies, where if you're using it to create a brief, there, it's a higher level of risk. The stakes are much, much higher. We're focusing on the business of law. We think that we can help optimize, we can generate revenue, we can reduce costs, and we can generate better results leveraging this technology. What are you
0: seeing in terms of the opportunities for generative AI to improve the outcomes and reduce the work of the marketing and business development team?
1: We, interestingly enough, we did a a survey where we focused in on RFPs and we focused in on asking questions related to, okay, you get a certain number of RFPs, they have a certain number of questions, they have a certain number of pages. What do you spend the vast majority of your time doing as it relates to these RFPs? And overwhelmingly, the amount of time, the most time is spent actually reading past RFPs to find answers to questions that this new RFP contains, right? That's where they spend the majority of the time. And we also ask them, hey, what tools do you use to respond to RFPs? The first, the one where 100% of the respondents said that they always use past RFPs and past proposals to respond to these new RFPs. So all the time, they're using these Word documents to, to generate content. Some of them are using about a little bit, of, over half of them are using experience management solutions. Around half are using Excel. Some are still using email to get answers. But just the fact that they are more or less looking at 50, 100 documents to find an answer to a question to a new RFP is pretty interesting, right? And that is super time consuming. And as we know, with generative AI, one of the things that it's really good at is summarization and finding content and stitching together answers within those RFPs. And so that's what we're focused on, is we're focused on leveraging your past pitches, proposals, RFPs to help you answer questions that come in the new RFPs.
0: How should legal marketing and business development leaders prepare for this sort of generative AI-driven future?
1: One of the things that I'm a big proponent of is a roadmap. And the first step that I believe you need to take in developing a roadmap is doing an assessment. And so there, there's this five-stage model that we go by, which is if you imagine a ladder or steps, at the very bottom, the first step is that you're in denial, that you just don't believe that artificial intelligence is going to have any impact on you or your business. The sec- The second step is kind of acceptance. You've accepted that artificial intelligence is something that will impact you, but you really have no plan. The third is something that I like to call adaptive, which is where you're, you've you accepted that artificial intelligence will have an impact on your business and that you are proactively coming up with a plan to leverage those technologies in certain areas. Then you get into a transformative, which is where you have great alignment between the business and the technology, and you're actually creating solutions that leverage artificial intelligence. And then the last phase is that disruptor phase. And this is Earlier we were talking before we started, we, we started talking about Sears and Blockbuster and how they were basically put out of business pretty rapidly by disruptors like Amazon, right? So the, those, that last phase is, is where everybody wants to be. You want to be a disruptor. And what that means in the legal industry is yet to be determined. Some of it could be good news. Some of it could be bad news. But I think that understanding where you're at as a firm really ultimately determines your next step. So that's the first step. The second step is to take a look and say, okay, what will it take for me to build a roadmap and start to leverage these technologies in the areas that I most need it? And so what we like to do is we like to look at all of the the, the responsibilities of marketing and business development. So they're responsible for branding, they're responsible for digital content, they're responsible for, let's just say, proposal authoring. And you create a catalog of all the stuff That you're responsible for and then you say okay we know that generative ai is really good at generating content coming up with ideas refining content as it relates to branding how do we leverage this technology to to meet that specific responsibility and so you go through all your responsibilities and you look and you identify opportunities where you could benefit the most and you look at things like okay how much time do we spend on proposals how much time do we spend doing rfps how much time do we spend responding to attorney requests for specific experience if you spend a lot of time on that's a great opportunity for you to leverage these technologies to reduce the over the overall time that you're spending on that another thing that was really interesting about the survey that we did was that we asked what would be most impactful or i forgot how we phrased it but it was basically What is it that you think makes a difference for you to win an RFP? And it's usually us understanding the client needs and being able to articulate those needs back to the client. So, pretty obvious. I don't know if it's obvious, but it's insightful, right? The first thing you need to do is you need to connect and and tell the client that, hey, we get you and we know what you're looking for. But the vast majority of the time that they spend, is looking through Word documents. So imagine that we reduce that searching for answers in Word documents by 90%. And now you can really focus on the things that you know need to be done to win that business, which is connecting with the client and making sure that you clearly articulate the needs that they have back to them in your RFP. So I I think there's a ton of opportunities all over the responsibility spectrum or whatever you wanna call it of marketing and business development but we're really passionate about the, the
0: proposals and the responses and all that fun stuff. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Jason Noble, the co-founder and chief of product strategy at Icon, an experience management platform powered by AI. Jason, thanks so very much. Thanks, Terry. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit reinventingprofessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.